So here's what I said on Saturday Night Live that I got completely wrong. At the end of my set, I talked about how few black people were invited to the White House, how Frederick Douglass was the first, and that it didn't happen again till Roosevelt. But that was wrong. It happened one other time before that. Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson received a delegation of African Americans at the White House. They were from South Carolina. It was a man who was lynched for a $30 dispute at a grain elevator. And they killed him because the nigga was rich. And they hated him for being more wealthy than they were. And they murdered him. And the people in South Carolina said, fuck that. And they went via the governor of South Carolina. It was a black delegation that was facilitated to meet with Woodrow Wilson. That delegation was led by the AME Bishop, William David Chappelle. It's where I get my name. It was my great-grandfather, who was a slave when he was born. These things are not old. This is not a long time ago. It's today. It's today. That man's wife was the woman that my father called on on his deathbed. And they were slaves. Are you out of your fucking mind if you can't see that? And these niggas say, why isn't David Chappelle saying anything? Because David Chappelle understands what the fuck he is seeing. And these streets will speak for themselves whether I'm alive or dead. I trust you guys. I love you guys. We'll keep this space open. This is the last stronghold for civil discourse. After this shit, it's just rat a tat 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 I think we're live. What's up? What's up? Ooh. Is that, what's that? Elon got a new mic? Super crisp voice? Get out. People be complaining about you, man. My boy got a new mic. Um, make sure you speak a little louder because I feel like I don't know if it's because I have this thing. It's actually gonna get. It's actually only gonna get better from here because I'm probably gonna get a better mic again. Yeah, you got it. You got a good mic. I can hear you definitely better though. Um, we also got our first guest in the building. Yeah. Miss Jerusalem, how you doing? Hi, <laughs> hi everybody. How are you guys? We're doing good. We're doing good. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. I'm good. Glad to have you. And uh, you're going to get a little chance, you know, to say a little more about yourself. Um, but we're going to get it in uh, into the this week's topics. Um, and uh, again, Jerusalem, you're here for, uh, I, 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 I ask you to be here. And again, thank you for coming uh, for a specific topic. But um, if you feel compelled, you know, to respond on anything that we're talking about, please feel free to, you know, interject. I feel, I mean, if she's just feels like saying anything she's doing. <laughs> Wait, what? For the whole time. Yeah, I mean, he said, if you, if you, if there's any subject that you're interested in joining in, just feel free to, you know, just say whatever is on your mind. Of course, I will. Yeah, this is not the type of podcast where we have, like, you know, we're going to be asking you questions and, you know, so where do you, like, now? Nah, we, we try to, like, be a little more conversational and, and, and free-flowing, so... 
yeah, let's get started. Okay. Um, okay. R.I.P. Joss Waiters. I hope I, I, I didn't butcher her name. But That's Waters, I would say. I don't know. Waters, Waiters. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I definitely should have said. Uh, yeah, let's not. Uh, yeah. Let's <laughs> not dwell too much on that, but R.I.P. to her. If uh, you want a little background, she's a writer of uh, This Is Us, the very famous show and very well, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just read this morning, I guess the first thing that I read this morning when I woke up was that she passed away from suicide, apparent suicide. That's and, crazy. Uh, which brings to the, to the most important topic of our generation, I believe, mental health. Yep. Uh, a, a few days prior, she had tweeted, you know, she had made a tweet where she was talking about uh, she wasn't really feeling well with, uh, with being confined with her anxiety. And, uh, you nice. know, and she was, you know, try, still trying to empower people, telling them that if there's anybody out there that's feeling the same, that they're not alone. And she's out there with them. And just, you know, to, to wake up to news that she's gone, that just, not just her creative, but the fact that she went through, you know, so much, like the mental illness part is what really gets to it. Yeah, and the fact that she's wealthy, like to me, I always look at it, I'm like, you know, yeah. I learned like, like, I was like, she's a writer on This Is Us, she's doing good in life. It, it really yeah. shows you that, you know, money can't. It's not about money, yeah, it's not always about money, right? That, that shows you, nobody's safe from this thing. It's not, doesn't matter if you're rich, you're poor. And, I mean, poor people might be more at risk of having mental issues, but because of circumstances and the way they raise and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, everybody, everybody, honestly. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, I mean, that's why, you know, even in our group of friends, um, it's been very controversial. <laughs> Although we, we're going on a hike tomorrow, we're not going to tell y'all where because we don't want y'all to pull up. But <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a very controversial. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're going on a hike because some of us, you know, I, I have a wife. Some other have, other people have roommates, but other people's are like just living by themselves and and, and you know, staying home the whole time. Right, right. And uh, it's it's hard, you know, with the confinement really? and the coronavirus. It's really hard. And I've said this before. I'm like somebody that's dealt with uh, mental depression before, and so many months do not help at all. Like it just makes it worse, it's right? Inside. The, the the I don't know how to say it. just just being inside the whole time is yeah it's just, it's hard right that's, that's what people are out here wilding man that's what people are going crazy um I don't know if you've seen like in the beginning of the week the first the 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 big thing this this week was been defunding the police like people are literally and you told me and I checked that stuff I don't know if we would talk about it on the podcast but you told me literally that um the Minnesota police has been dismantled. They're actually creating a whole new, like, a whole new thing. But their their city council literally voted to dismantle um, the whole the, the, That's crazy. But I, I don't even know how they're going to go about that. So defunding the police first, right? I've seen that there's a lot of controversy when it comes to that sentence. And mm-hmm. people say it's because, it's not because, you know, defunding the police doesn't necessarily mean getting rid of the police like they're doing, in, you know, they're trying to do in Minnesota because I really don't know what the outcome of that is going to be. Yeah, at first I heard that and I was like, oh, you're tripping. <laughs> you can't just claim get rid of the police, right? Because every every type of society needs some kind of law, law enforcement. Yeah, you want to you wanna see what it looks like when the police don't have enough funding? Go to Africa. It's a, it's a uh, wild oh, shit. When it comes to funding... 
when it comes to funding, though, I believe defunding the police. That's why I want I want to make that statement here. Defunding the police means taking funds away from the police. This is what ideally what we want to happen. Yeah, taking I think they are definitely didn't need it right. Taking some money from the police and allocating it to more social services that are needed, so the police doesn't have to deal with you know stuff like uh, when there's calls on people with mental health, homeless people, and stuff like that that will result. In, yep. in violence, gun violence, or police, you know, killing somebody or hurting somebody. Yeah. So and, and shift uh, the budget towards, like, you know, I guess, you know, yes. healthier, healthier alternatives for the community. Exactly. Right? Like uh, the the New York police has a, a, a budget around six billion dollars. Wow. Heard, that's with a B. A billion? Yeah, six. Around there. Uh, the LAPD has about 1.8, but when it's all guns, said, do they do they shoot? <laughs> <laughs> when it's all said and done, it's around 3.1 billion, right? So that's wild. That's a lot of money that we put into the police so they can arm themselves. Some of that money, okay, I'm going to give you an example of what people envision. Most people envision when they talk about uh, defunding the police, right? Mm-hmm. There's something Preach. called the, the right care. In uh, that started in Dallas, Texas where uh, it started uh, when they saw a hype of uh, people calling the, the police on people with mental health, and it mm-hmm. ends up being, you know, it ends up resulting in, like, unnecessary violence from the police, or the police doesn't really know how to deal with those people. So they yeah. started being, like, a, somebody that knows how to, a social service worker and somebody, uh, and, and, uh, and a hospital a hospital worker, social service worker, and a cop in, the, in every cop car. Yeah. Way when there's a call for mental health, you know, and stuff like that, when they get on scene, they have the, the, the personnel that can deal with that. So the cops don't have to resort to violence or, and they don't know how to, you know, deal with those kind of situations. So that's like... Yeah, like that makes it, sense. That definitely makes more sense than what yeah, people are saying like out it, here. Like, like just, just, just abolish the police. Yeah, it started in 2018. Or like in 2015, they started building healthy communities in uh, Salinas, California, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's about it's about the same thing too, where they try to take the money and allocate it more towards services like uh, this. Where this this money should go if you've been logic, it should go towards things like housing, right? Proper yeah. care for mental health, so that people that are on the street don't end up like uh, don't just end up dead or getting shot. But that's happened before. I think uh, it was Botham John, or yeah, if I remember very well, that guy. That, 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 that got shot by the police or killed by the po- in police custody. Or, or even preventive measure, like, so yeah. that they don't even get in trouble or doing drugs in the first place. So like, the, you know, schools the, and education people, and things like that. Yeah, the police deals with calls uh, of things that, uh, all kinds of things. People call 911 for all kinds of things, right? And the police ends up going, and the firefighters end up going to, like, all kinds of situations where they're not trained for yeah. What about taking some of that money and training more people to deal with people with uh, mental health and training more people to like training the police officers, putting that money towards more training towards yeah, the because they're, they're definitely doing you know a tough jobs and you know I'm one of the people who think exactly. so those can, people should actually be paid more so that they are you know but the job should also be you know harder harder to get you know exactly we can knock down the, their profession but the reality is. They can it, it can be better. It can be done better. It can like, definitely be improved. You can, you can you can look at parts of Europe, right? It, it just takes some information. You can look at parts of Europe where in countries like France and stuff like that, cops do, 
uh, Street Zealand cops do not carry guns, right? They don't carry guns. For, for, a lot of cops do not carry guns because they don't need it. They carry things like batons and tasers. Yeah, but they, still, they still get stuff done. Like, you're supposed to protect us. Like, you're not going against narcotics or anything like that. So why would you need policing, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six billion of, 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 tank, of, of like, budget. Yeah, it's like a military budget. Community that, that are already, you know, impoverished and already profiled, racially profiled and stuff like that. That's what we want to stop. We want to educate the police officers more. We want, we want, we want it to get, uh, how you call it? We want it to get tougher when you're hiring a police officer. We want the, the process. I know you said this already, but the process needs to get tougher. Yeah. We need to them. We need people to understand. We can't just hire anybody. People that are likely to have PTSD should not be working in the police force because they're likely to react in a certain way to, you know, to abrupt situation. And, yeah. it, it and that's what I, I got to give a shout out to this brother, um, brother Khalil J. Ferguson. Um, he's an IOTA. Um, a member of a black historically black Greek letter organization, and uh, he just got posted in the in, in the Sacramento Bee. I think he worked with city council, and um, he posted a piece that says Sacramento should serve the community, and basically talks about how they should divert um, the money from its police budget. And, and uh, it's getting posted. That's that's super dope. That and I know I, I promised some of your listeners about some. Things that are going on, you know, in our community over at Bay Area, Sacramento. So um, that's one of those things that you can do, man. Khalil and, Ferguson, look him up. Um, and and uh, that piece. Yeah. That, that's a very important part, right? People talk about defunding the police, but we need a plan. Yeah. And he actually has, that's that's the reason why I shut him out. Because, you know, yeah. he's not just a piece about saying how we feel. You actually have actionable steps. People you have to email and people you have to kind of voice your, your opinion on that piece to kind of take action. Exactly. We need ways to go about, you know, ways to go about this thing where it doesn't become like a complete chaos. Like we get rid of the police, then what? What happens when, you know, somebody runs into your car and then runs away who you for? Yeah, talk, talk, talking about chaos. This, uh, I saw this girl on, the, on, on, on online recently and uh, she was basically, you know, with all the protests going on, um, got photographed on top of a cop car. And that photograph actually became quite, just went viral and uh, ended up losing her job. And the police actually put a, a, a warrant out for her arrest. So she had to turn herself in and pay a fat fine. So that, that's crazy that, that, you know, don't, don't, don't go out there looking crazy too, y'all. <laughs> don't be stupid. There's cameras out there, there's people recording, they're going to post it online in the age of social media. The police has a Twitter account, so be, don't be stupid. Like, it's for the cause, but don't be extra, right? Yeah, you got to protect your personal brand. Um, yeah. You know, you got to remember that after this, you still want to, you know, get a job. You still want, I mean, you probably have a job. You want to keep your job, get a promotion, um, you know. You have big aspiration, and you know the the, the the enemy can't wait. You know for the same a time, to bring it down. time. I don't want to scare people into not speaking up because that's not what it's about, right? Oh you yeah, know, protest is not protesting if you do it when yeah, you yeah, just kind of breaking when you're up. supposed to. For you, start, that's like government property. You got to be smart about protesting. So yeah. I, I want to say this: it's still really important that you speak up. Like this is the moment. This is the movement. Yeah. This is the moment, this is the movement. Our generation is the one to do it, right? We 
seeing the change. Like, I mean, bro, let's let's take a minute to recognize what's happening these last few weeks, right? Look at the, the situation in the world. Okay, mm. all the talk about it. Right? We have all these protests and the destruction and people crying about property and stuff like that. But then justice is gonna prevail always. Like common sense is gonna prevail, right? You see people like now people are making steps, taking actual moves to help the black community. People right? are rising together. Yeah, and you see big companies actually backing up the cause. Yeah. Some may for publicity or whatever, but don't get me wrong. They're still yeah. backing up the cause. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not even going to lie. It's crazy. It's, it's going to sound super crazy, but I literally went to Panera Bread to grab two baguettes, and this girl was like, you don't have to pay. Bro, you, you feel me? Like, that, that's crazy, right? But that's that's... Hey, that's I feel like it was because I was black. But I, I don't know if I should feel offended or restitution for my nigga right here. Let's go. I don't know if I should feel offended, but then I, I was like, man, I'm getting free free bread, man. Let me just restitution for my boy, bro. <laughs> no restitution for my boy, but uh, yeah, that's what. I'm, but there's there's more to it. Like you see companies like when you go on Amazon, right, and it says Black Lives Matter. You go to places and. The, the, the climate right now, we need to ride on it. I want to say this. This is very important. We, this is not a time where you protest two times and then... And yeah, then you, you, need, you need to use that momentum for actual change. Uh, only talking about it right now because of what happened. They're only talking about it because we stood up, because the protest was worldwide, because yeah. brands were going to get hurt if they didn't get behind our cause. That's the only reason why they're talking about it. They talk, they're talking about it because we make them talk about it, Right? They're talking mm-hmm. about it because we stood up for something and we said, no, we were tired and we showed it. And America cried and you could see it in the burning building. You could see what was happening. People's pain. That's what it was. That's what translated. Like all, all the oppression. People look at, have you, have you, I haven't had the courage to look at that George Floyd video, right? But yeah, I haven't watched the whole thing either. To be yeah, honest. I kind of know. I've watched parts of it through the news and stuff like that and I watched the pictures and I kind of know but for 8 minutes 46 right we see what we needed to see 8 minutes 46 kneeling on somebody's neck that's that's just ridiculous and there's so much of that going on that this is the time this is the movement this is the greatest Black Lives Matter protest we've seen so far yeah, right in our, in our lifetime for sure we need to ride on it this is what we need to do bro we and can- let me ask you this um this is having crazy um, effect. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go into too, too much personal stuff, but it's having a lot of crazy effect on like families and 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 parents having to talk to their kids. Um, my my, I was talking to someone who uh, was telling me they were white, and they were like, "It's crazy that what kind of put it in perspective for him is that when he talks to his kid about police, he's always like, "Hey, the police is like he's here to protect you." You know, they, they're, they're here, they're, they're heroes. So every time his kids see the police, he just want to take pictures, you know. Yeah. And he says, his friend told him, with his kids, it's a totally different conversation. conversation, yeah. That's crazy. And, and he said that's what kind of put that perspective on him that, wow, like. I, so that is a very different good. word. Do you think that's, um, that's a talk that, you know, black parents should have with their kids? Because I feel like as Africans, we never really got that, that talk. Black parents. Already, you have, have that talk with the kids, right? Every black parent living in America has the police talk with the kids. It's like the sex talk, or you know, you gotta tell your kid how to react when they get pulled over and stuff like that. 
Now, more importantly, I want to say this. We need to make something else just as important. Talking about voting and our history. Yeah. Right? We need to educate our kids on voting. I will never stop saying this because we can protest, we can yell, and we can do whatever we want. We can only obtain change through voting. People died yeah. for those voting rights. People, people marched and died. It was, man, I can't even tell you. <laughs> Jerusalem, do you have an opinion on this? Do you think, um, you know, how early, you know, or do you think that's a conversation that you should have at all with your kids? Um, because I think, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's a, when you tell your kids this is going on, they kind of have an inferiority. They kind of assimilate that data that, okay, you know, I'm already, as a kid, you kind of put this in their head already that, you know, the police is out to get them. And I think that can be very dangerous. Unfortunately, that's the reality. Uh, what do you think, Jerry? True. But um, I think it depends on your delivery. Okay. I think the way to, you talk to your kids, um, I, I think it's important to tell them early. Um, from my experience, I think whatever I was told when I was younger stuck with me. So you have to be very careful. Uh, so they don't live their life in terror either. Yeah, because, in fear either. You know, right, right, right. Um, but it's also very important they stay alive because these these stories are real. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't matter what part of the country you're in. Yeah, you don't want them to be so, hanging out with their uh, white or, friends, and you know they think they have the same. They'll, that, they'll get away with something, that, and you know they get very right, right. But you also brought up a really good point when you were saying how um, you don't want them to feel inferior. That's also yeah. very important. They they need to understand, you know, their. It's, it's it's a very tough conversation to have with your kids. Uh, when when these uh, in the past two weeks, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, how would I raise a child in the U.S.? Yeah, that's you tough. know, uh, it makes me want to go back to Ethiopia. Um, <laughs> I know you're listening. So no, I'm from Ethiopia, but uh, I would go back and raise my kids and uh, bring them here once they're a little bit older. Mm, yeah, but, uh, to be honest with you, like too. even yeah, even growing up in Ethiopia, uh, I still, you know, you still go through <laughs> through Black America and all the yeah yeah uh, because we have we have we have, we have, we have like, like especially if you travel, you know, you've been to France, you you've gotten those looks. If you travel, you got your passports. You've been at the right, the, you know, you've you've experienced this weird situation where you know. Absolutely. I saw this tweet that says, you know, when, when being black is checking, <laughs> like if they're, if it's racist before you travel to a country or wherever That's you're wild. going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. So, you know, really you know yeah, it's, it's, it's sad that but that's the world that we live in. Like you said, you don't want your kids to feel inferior, but you also need them to be aware. Right. That doesn't mean, you know, right, right. very delicate conversation because you want them, it's right, you'd rather they be alive and scared than, you know, be too proud and dead. That's you as a parent, right? Yeah, or, or clueless, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's, that's a very tough conversation that black people have to have with their kids in America. Sorry, guys, my dog. Yeah. Meet my love, everyone. And uh, also, like I said, I believe the, the one thing that should go about that conversation and one way we can 
dream to want this stop that conversation is by voting, exercising our voting rights. Like, I'll give you an example. I was talking to one of my friends who actually lives in Nepali, and she was talking about, she, I don't know why she felt she felt like I didn't understand, like, the, the climate, and I have to remind her that I, I lived in Oakland, right? Because <laughs> uh-huh. she was talking about uh, abolishing the police and all that, and I was telling her, like, I need more concrete uh, solutions than just radical stuff that comes out of things. Who are you going to call when someone breaks into your car, girl? Yeah, right. We can just we can just come up with radical solutions that is based on anger. I need more. And she was telling me she felt like I didn't understand, so she tried to tell me like, "Oh, I see that you, for example, in California, you guys can smoke weed and stuff like that. But over here, if you smoke weed, somebody can call the cops on you, and you can uh, it's it, it, it legal to smoke in California." I was like, "Okay, this is what you do." I don't want to sound privileged, but smoking only became legal in California to vote. People voted for it. That's the importance of voting. Like, you want police to check yeah. you. Mm-hmm. You want anything. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You can sit in your home and complain and not vote when it comes time to vote. You don't even know who your representatives are, your house representative, your senate. You don't know anything. You don't even know how to vote. When your mayor's vote is taking place, you know nothing about that yet. You're complaining that you can't <laughs> But, you know, uh, going off that, I I think it's not only not knowing when the voting is happening, there's also voting oppression. So it's also systematic where, Mm -hmm. you know, in some neighborhoods, you you know, it takes it's there's a long line to vote or, you know, your work hours. There's just so many systematic factors that leads, you know. Uh, people that need to vote or black people are not always able to vote on all those, you know, like the commission, the Senate, the local government, whatever it is they need to vote for. So it's just so systematic that I don't, it's just, yeah. I just wanted to add that, you know, sometimes it's not even lack of systemic oppression. People don't understand. A lot of people see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to explain that because I had a conversation where someone was like, you know. Systemic oppression. What you just said, that is systemic oppression. They make it harder for people like us to vote. Like the time. Right, right. That we get to vote. Our census record, all that is so hard for us to obtain. People don't understand systemic oppression. Systemic oppression is when I, a black person, go to bed alone versus a white person go to get a loan, the approval rate, and how much interest I have to pay versus how much interest he has to pay, just based on the right. uh, color. And just, and just to provide maybe yeah. more clarity on that, you it's know, not... It's the, not the, 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 the ability to get housing, bro. This we don't know. Right. That are homeless, can't get housing. You got to wait months, let's say years, to, get to, to be able to get in yeah. a house. And while we defer billions towards the police so they can arm themselves and shoot the same people that have been being oppressed. That is crazy to me. And you call yourself the number one yeah. country in the world. We need to look at ourselves. That's what is systemic oppression. When you refuse to see it as a white person or as a when you think that it's okay because you're not living it. When you refuse to when you refuse to speak up because your life is good enough so you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff, right? I have to worry because on, when, when I go for a job interview, 
my resume doesn't really matter because there's a case, there's a, there's a section where they ask for my race. Yeah. I don't know why, but there's a section where they ask for my race. And what, were already, saying, what were you saying, Jerry? Finish, finish. And, and what were you saying, Jerry? Uh, no, I, I didn't say anything. I was just listening. Oh, okay. Uh, what, what part? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so like when it comes to like systemic oppression, like I want people to do their research. That's what it, it is. Like today, what is hurting us most is research. And it, it's information. It's access to information. Let's go get it. Like everybody has access to Google. Google that stuff. Right? Access to information is all we need. It's so easy to learn about your history. Like, history can only repeat itself if you don't learn it. You can only let the same thing happen if you didn't know about it before. Right? Like, let's, and, let's, let's go real. Yeah, and I think the, 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 the confusion often that I hear is, you know, uh, a person will say, well, I'm not privileged, you know, I'm white, and I don't have enough money as this, this black guy over there. You know, he has more money than me, and it's like, we're not talking about on the on the on the on the mi- on the micro level, but oh, on the macro right. level. Yeah. Right. If you look at overall, yeah. you know, the statistics, you will see that, you know, the oh, systemic some ridiculous statistics right now. Very ridiculous. The assets total, total assets owned by white people in America is a total of around a hundred plus trillion. Uh-huh. Right? A hundred wow. Plus trillion. That's the total assets owned by white people. I take a wide guess what uh, black people assets total to. With all the rappers and black billionaires and all that stuff that we have, they take a wide guess. I mean, six. you see what? Six. Six, bro. Six trillion? Yeah, six. That's where we are. Since nineteen, since the nineteen eighties, the the the, the white people's uh, how you call it? Ability to acquire wealth has has just skyrocketed. Meanwhile, the black people's one has remained stagnant. That's due to things like loans. We cannot get the same loans. Yeah, buy property and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I was saying, yeah. Our credit is already messed up because we're not educated. We don't have financial education. People don't know how important a good credit is. We don't know it. And then and, and it's a system that keeps hurting us. It keeps yeah. Hurting us because we don't we don't know about it. That is why it's very important that we learn about the system that we live in, bro. And that is also why. Um, you know. I, go 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 up there. Yeah, I think social media is really helping this fight this though, because even with black ownership, there's just so many pages promoting black businesses, black ownership. Yep. And teaching people about real estate, credit, and I think even um, you know social media. If it wasn't for social media, Forex. we wouldn't have seen or you know George Floyd's video, or that wouldn't have went viral. Uh, and all these people are coming together to fight this because of social media. And that now, is, um, is the one to go with because we have the access to information. Information yes. travels fast. Right. Right. Like before, not, not only access to information, but also sharing information with each other. You can just go on Instagram and see that video of a cop that's doing some stuff. Right. And I will tell you, there's a video right. of, I don't know if you guys have heard it lately, the cop just got fired for some reason, but I will assure you I've heard that audio and seen the video about four years ago. 
four years back, I saw this video of a cop who pulled over a white woman, apparently. You can't see her, but you can hear her. And she's apparently very scared, and she's telling the cops it's because of the things she's seen them do on TV. And the cop uh-huh. just tells her right away, like, oh, but you're not black. Like, we only shoot black people. That's crazy. I, I did see that. I did see that I video. That video that's been around for over four years. Like, I've seen that video four years ago. And nothing happened because I saw it on YouTube. I shared it, like, on my Facebook, but it wasn't really that. But now that things are getting shared more and more, people I can see that. that. Over again. Yeah. And it's over, like, I'm, I'm, I missed this George Floyd thing. It came, it came back to life. And that cop, I just read that file. That's right? crazy. So, is what is coming from like our movement. This is why you should not let up. You should not feel like your protest is not getting anywhere. It is. We got yeah. the Keep going. Keep, Keep going. Hey, and this and one of the reasons, one of the uh, not reason, but proof of you know those, those systemic disadvantages that black people have is how many people are getting affected by COVID, right? Um, you know, if we get Absolutely, to our topic today, because, we're talking about yeah. go ahead. And, you know, black people are um, composed of most of the uh, essential workers, too. See, yeah. Which so are, that, know, not, that also not, not has an impact. Nice job, corporate office. They, they have to do the job where they have to actually, like, you know, get moving and stuff like that. And, and let me, let, let me right. give a little perspective, too, right? That, that black uh, nurse or whatever that is on the front line fighting the COVID has to go back home to a household which is not earning much, right? She's probably like a single mother because her husband is in prison or stuff like all that killed by the police. Yeah. It's just perspective, right? Then she has to go home in a house where she lives with like, oh, even if she has like a family, let's say she has to go to a one-bedroom apartment where she has like four kids and her husband. So how do you explain, how do you want people to stay home, right? <laughs> Six feet. In a one-bedroom apartment with and that's what a lot of people are wondering with all this protests going on. Where are those COVID cases? You know, and that will bring us back to the media, right? The media is, bro. I said it in the last one. The Michael Mc said, "Is COVID gotten away? Was it all a scam?" Like we were talking about COVID every day, putting panic in it. Like I'm not saying that it's not real, but it is very real. But it's the media exposure that made it worse than it is. Exposure went from like, okay, we don't care to, okay, you guys are all about to die to, okay, we don't care anymore, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. so, or maybe the, the lockdown just worked. <laughs> we guess what? We're back to, yeah, y'all are about to die still. So it's, 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 it's the media, right? When the protest happened, it was the media's job to keep reminding people that coronavirus is very real. And I'm glad they, things are opening back up, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah, they were too busy trying to make black people look like looters and rioters. They were too busy trying to portray yeah. an image that was, you know, an image of us that would justify the army in our street, that would justify the, 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 the curfew and stuff like that. So they completely just stopped reporting about coronavirus. That's crazy. And, and actually, I'm also seeing that in COVID in Africa, is there's not outbreak that's accelerating. You know, on the BBC, I'm looking at the, the feed right now, and also in the US, it's starting to. You have, you have, you have to states are reporting like yeah. increasing cases, and that brings us to you know our guest today because there is um, the resistance, if you want to say, organizing all over the world, and there's white <laughs> people that are 
just getting together and are literally changing um, the world. So um, Jerusalem, you know, I'm going to let you say a little bit about yourself, you know, an, an intro, whatever you want to say, and also talk about okay. the organization, the work, how y'all got started. And, we, you know, we're going to ask you some questions. And yeah. Okay. Awesome. So I am a biomedical engineer. My background is uh, in biomedical engineering and I work in the medical device industry. Um, I currently hey, work for one of the largest. So I work for one of the largest medical device manufacturers, uh, building that builds ventilators and other respiratory products. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when the, when the pandemic first started, you know, my, my work, yeah, we were getting very busy because we were I dealing imagine, direct, yeah. we were, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and t- tell you guys about, uh, the Ethiopia COVID-19 response team. So back in March, uh, the ministry of health of Ethiopia, uh, confirmed the first case of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of uh, the tech leaders in the Ethiopia diaspora just tweeted to the Ministry of Health and asked, you know, hey, how can we help? Wow. Um, just like that on Twitter. He, he was he, on Twitter. It was a single tweet that started um, that, that started all this. And when he tweeted, um, he basically uh, sent a call to action after he reached out to the Ministry of Health, asking all software engineers, product managers, and other tech professionals to just join and help uh, the Ministry of Health with their efforts uh, to combat COVID yeah, with digital tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so one of my friends was actually in the ops lead, uh, one of the uh, lead founding members of the organization. Wow. And he sent me the link and posted it on social media. So I was, you know, super interested. At, yeah. Oh, you know, I even understanding the poor health infrastructure uh, and how, mm-hmm. you know, Right. It's my home. And also seeing how, you know, Italy, China and the U.S. could barely, you know, accommodate, have had hospital beds and uh, ventilators and all the medical devices. They could, they weren't even able to handle it. You know, yeah. we had to shut down the whole country. So that was very alarming um, to me. And I definitely wanted to be part of the solution. Uh, so when I joined, it was, uh, they, they were getting started with about, I believe, 15 open source projects and they were all tech, oh, wow. tech related, software related projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really wanted to help, but didn't know how, because, you know, I am a biomedical engineer and I don't know, I don't really know how to code. Yeah. Um, so I just kept, you know, attending different meetings, uh, just to stay in the loop and they started a Slack channel. Mm-hmm. So I would just check, you know, if there's any news or, you know, if anyone needs any help. Uh, so then it, it, they started circulating uh, prototypes. So I saw different product development teams from Ethiopia trying to build ventilators. Wow. And I was, I was so happy to see that. And I really wanted to support, you know, local initiatives and local engineers. Yeah, and so that's right. I could Right, right, exactly. So um, I I shared. Uh, so my company uh, actually released their open source design, meaning they basically released it to the world on how to build an emergency ventilator. 
Wow. So back in March, I believe. Right. Um, so when they share that and, you know, at work and being in the industry, I just have so many resources and articles and publications that are getting circulated around amongst my coworkers and my, you know, my, my network in general. So I basically made a Google Doc and put all that information in. Uh, because when I first reached out to these different teams, mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't getting a reply from yeah. Ethiopia. So I just felt so, I, I just couldn't fit on all this information <laughs> and knowledge I had. So I put it in a Google Doc and, just and I shared it on Slack. That's yeah. Amazing, yeah, I shared it on Slack. And I was like, hey, you know, if you guys know anybody in Ethiopia who's working on any type of medical devices, uh, especially particularly the ventilators, uh, please share this Google Doc with them. And I hope it helps. And okay. that was it. Uh, so yeah, and it then probably helps so many office. people though because these are like high high end, you know, design that it would definitely, you know. That's actually dope that you know a company uh, released the patent or like the the way for free, it. yeah. All right, right, absolutely. I mean, it has a deadline, so that they have a a license on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says 2024 or end of pandemic. So yeah. after that, um, I'm not sure what the legal implications hey, are, but it, it's not going to be open source. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Hey, and right, I, right. I just want to take that opportunity to like give a shout out to all the women out there because we see like women don't get enough recognition. Right? What you're doing is very dope. That is really, really dope. Yeah, just, she's literally changing the world. Yeah, you like a medical <laughs> engineer. The, the resume is already heavy, but just going out of your way, <laughs> the people where you come from, right? That's 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 really dope. And, and that's a big thing me and Elam are about, like really impacting. You know, obviously, you know, prosper in in, in wherever country we want, but yeah. really give back to where we're from. It, it really is a so, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's it's so fulfilling. The black women are very important, right? Black women is the most disrespected person in America is just saying that they say very often, but black women is also the most important person in America, right? We, we, mm-hmm. we fail a lot of time to recognize what, what, what black women have done for us and all what they're going through for that sake. I want to... That's talk, true, man. That's true, man. That's, that, that's, some, that's, some, that's some heavy stuff right now. It's, it's I, I, I want to bring Right, back. right, right. I want to bring back to Breonna Taylor, who's uh, who was assassinated in her own house, mm. in her own house. Mm. Oh my God, I know. No knock warrant, and they weren't even supposed to be there. They went in, and the boyfriend warned that he was armed, and if they didn't, you know, let if the person who was there didn't let them know, he was going to shoot, and they didn't say anything. So he fired a warning shot, and yeah, they turned the place into a, you know, it, it, uh, you know, they just. Yeah, they went off. Yeah. And it was the wrong it was the wrong place, right? It wasn't the wrong place, but they were serving a warrant and they were done, basically. They weren't supposed to check that place. The place yeah. was unleashed, yeah. but they weren't supposed to check because they were done. So they ended up killing the young woman who was the first report to respond actually, which who was like on the first line. Workers for this coronavirus, poor black woman ended up dying in her own house and her killers are still walking free. Today they passed like a, a, a type of law that, 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 how you call it? That prevents uh, 
no knock warrants and stuff like that. In, yeah. uh, in but to me, that's bullshit until those people actually get apprehended. Those officers all need to get apprehended. Yeah. We protested for George Floyd, right? And I feel like it's kind of unfair that Breonna Taylor's uh, murderers just, they, they haven't even been charged. They're still walking around free. Probably right. still, walking, still, work, still working. And I feel like it's just so unfair that we can rally up, we can break things, we can feel so angry for a man. I understand the significance behind it, don't get me wrong. But she's still there, and we got to put the same energy behind her cause, her cause, I mean. We got to put the same energy. Yeah, right? yeah, that, that is kind of, you know, that, that, that is something that you were saying, though, like, you know, like, uh, this is happening to a black woman, you know, and... Yeah, like, black, black women have... You need to keep the same energy with George Floyd. I'm, I'm going to for her too. because of that, I went and we feel like... Absolutely. I'm going to just shout out, like, four, I think, four black women in history... The history, black history, notable black women in history that I've done some research about, just just you know, just in recognition of yep. what black. I'm do that, from. man. So we can, uh, we can wrap up. Absolutely. Ida B. Worthy in the 1862. She lived from 1862 to 1931. She was born in slavery. Made her way to Memphis, Tennessee, where she became like part owner of a newspaper that was called uh, Memphis Free Speech. Hey. She used mm-hmm. a platform to to uh, to protest lynching. Black people lynching it was very severe back then. She she did it to the point where they burnt down her business and she had to 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 flee. She fled to the child, Chicago, where uh, she later, you know, started her family and stuff and she later helped found Yemi Royal, the NAACP. Right? So that's mm-hmm. so black woman right there. Another one is Ella Jo Barker. Yeah, say I'll read you her resume to uh, Ella Jo Barker. She was a civil rights leader, right? Grassroots activist and organizer of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. She used to organize the Freedom Rights, which was uh, which was basically uh, Freedom Riders, which were people that were protesting the segregation, you know, transportation segregation back in those days. There's also a very famous Fanny Lou Hammer or Hammer. I'm sorry if I pronounced you wrong. They're gonna come at you, man. You butchering the yeah. name. Hey man, at least I'm giving shout out. <laughs> civil rights. She's a civil rights leader, uh, uh, voting rights advocate. I'm sure she's very famous. People should have, you should have heard of her by now, right? And uh, she was an organizer of the Freedom Freedom Summer. If you mm-hmm. want Google that too. And last but not least, Shirley Shield. Bro, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. This name is hard to pronounce. Shirley Shishon. <laughs> so that's C H I. S-H-O-L-M. Shirley Shisholm, right? Yeah. Uh, she was the first black woman elected to Congress. First yeah. black person to seek a, president, a presidential nomination for, for, from, a, uh, from a major political party. She actually went for presidential election. So that shout out to four dope black women, right? And shout out to the beautiful also black queen that we have on you know, tonight. Shout out for all, everything that. <laughs> like for real, bro. We don't. We don't. If we're gonna recognize, but we gotta recognize the the, the women just as much. Cause yeah. I have father, right, and I have two little sisters. Absolutely. Thank you. Women are the backbone of men. We will not be shit. We will mm-hmm. not. Any any powerful man has to have a powerful queen. That's how it is, and that's yes. how it is. so. 
Yeah, yeah. and um, I'm going to just say, um, you know, it's a great time for opportunity, I think. Um, the reason why I had you on this podcast, Jerusalem, is because uh, I think you kind of symbolize that, you know, a lot of people think during this time, things are kind of on the standby or you kind of have to postpone your plans. It's like, you know, go for it. Yeah. You know, there's a time for change, just like it's time for change in the country and everybody being inside in the media. We made, you know, this mm-hmm. for George Floyd. Similarly, Jerusalem, you know, even though there's this COVID, this crazy stuff going on, she was able to kind of like get the opportunity of a lifetime to really affect change in the country. You know, apply to that school, apply yeah. to it. There might not be testing this year. There might not be physically right. required you, to go to that interview. You might have to get away with a right, phone right, interview this right. time. Let's go for that job that you want. Absolutely. You know? Like, Absolutely. Tons of you can learn anything. So many, you know, yeah. It's, it's although it's so difficult, you know, during times like this to focus on the positive, but there has been so many, especially before, there has been so many opportunities for free learning and um, yeah, yeah. You know, people are giving jobs, out free resources, job, free training, right, free right. seminars, free yeah, webinars. Absolutely. And that is so true because yeah. a lot of people might see this as a setback, right? Because a lot of people lost their job, business, you know, lost their businesses and stuff. Right. Like. Yeah, and we're not, right. we're not, we're, we're right. not saying right. this is, you know, a I, I give you a, uh, a saying by now. I give you a saying by now. It's definitely. Yeah, it's ahead. definitely hard to to be productive and to to try to grow and learn during this time. And um, I think one of the biggest things that will that will help all of us is is reducing our media time, right? Our social media time yeah. and, and be patient consuming, with yourself. you know, the negativity. Absolutely, absolutely. Be patient yeah. with yourself. Absolutely. Don't expect too much too soon. We need we need to care exactly. Yeah. 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 Take time right. to relax, self care. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and mm-hmm. this thing by Napoleon Hill, right? Every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent success, mm. right? So this might seem like a time where, you know, everything is lost, but if you look around very carefully, if you're patient with yourself and don't just go crazy and give up, if you look around and give yourself time and actually try to be productive, I promise you, you will see life in this darkness. That is that is just how life is. You got you got to give yourself time. You got to be patient. With every failure, brings really the seed of an equivalent success. You just got to look around. You got words, and you got to you got to want it, right? Don't don't think too much about the negative stuff. We get so lost in the negative stuff but we, that we forget about the positive mm-hmm. that's surrounding us. We yeah. get so easy to get lost in the negative stuff, like very easy. And we, we tend to forget about everything positive that's around us. Like, oh, you know how proud I am when I log on to Amazon and I see Black Lives Matter just staring at me. <laughs> I've seen it on Call of Duty, Netflix. I, everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And, and, and it's just great. It's fantastic. We have, it's a great feeling. I want people to acknowledge that. I want people to realize what this youth, what Breathe this in. has done, bro. Like, we've, we, we've accomplished something. This Black Lives Matter was put... Your voice was, mattered. Your, your, your post mattered. Yeah. yeah. People in South Korea, yeah. bro. People in South Korea were protesting. Yeah. It okay. went a little short on time, but um, let me give the last word. Um, I was going to say it's customary, but it's the first time we're doing it. But <laughs> let me give the last word to Jerusalem. You know, whatever you want to say, maybe inspirational word. Maybe you want to promote something. Uh, you know, maybe you want something... The people to check out something um yeah 
Let me give you the last word before we get into the music pick. Absolutely. Um, I don't have anything to promote, but if um, there, can, if can there help is your anyone interested in, I was just about to talk about that. Yeah. So um, you can help by honestly using your expertise uh-huh. and, you know, reach out to Francois or me and I can get you connected to the right team who's working on a project. um both technical and non technical skills if you want to help uh please reach out and we will get you connected to the right team all right that's good hey um you yeah. can i can i can i add something before we go to music pick yes sir so to me what what's most important right now right this is my way of maybe letting people know how to feel about everything right now building on this movement we need education right and i'm not talking about school college or now i'm talking about the importance of self education knowing your absolutely history it matters bro it matters because if we don't know our history we don't know where we're going let just for history sake let me give you like some have you ever heard of the Tulsa massacre Tulsa Oklahoma massacre Mm-hmm. So Tulsa was a city, yeah, Tulsa, Oklahoma was a city that has been referred to as the Black Wall Street, right? Where black people were very prominent back in uh, the 1920s. Black people were very prominent in those, that city, and it was just a group of black people living together, have, you know, build themselves up a, community, a rich community of black people. Mm-hmm. And uh, on, on, I don't even know how to go about this, but people should go read this. Uh, there was a massacre, bro. White people just decided that uh, they had enough of us being successful and living our lives. And it had just been, slavery had just been abolished not long ago. So they went through the city, burned down black businesses, killed people, burned down people's houses. And yeah, people had to flee. Same thing happened in Rosewood in Florida. And uh Two years later, actually, same thing happened in Rosewood, Florida. Just a prominent city of black people, white folks went into it. So when people want to talk about riots, talk about those riots, mm-hmm. right? Where they went and destroyed our property. We were just building up right after slavery. People had worked hard and were just tying off the ground. And they went in there and burned it down just because. So talk about those riots when you want to talk about riots or burning you know, businesses. Mm. I also want to talk about the Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in African-American males. You heard it right. The Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the African-American male. Basically, a study where <laughs> they followed the group of black, black males and some of them already had syphilis. Some of them, they just gave them syphilis. And uh, yeah, for 40 years, for 40 years, untreated. They gave them no treatment. That is something that happened in America, condoned by the, the public health. 
So we need to know our history. I can't stress enough how important it is to talk about our history to our team. Talk about the importance of can I can I add something actually I just thought about um I also want to address you know uh African or black immigrants who are not able to vote or protest you know due their to their immigration mm. status that you know is. there there are people who have pending status in this country or who are not protected by the first amendment um or you know who who'd get in trouble if they get caught by the police at a protest and don't have a say you know yeah don't to, do that to make a change do that if you're international honestly uh, yeah yeah but i think you know it's also important to, to look out for those people right like uh in terms of their mental health and also you know that feeling of hopelessness and yeah. not being able to help while you're still living in this country and still seeing and, and you know, yeah. these these issues right you're black you're still black right. um so you know i really appreciate the people who are going out there protesting and voting because they're not just doing it for themselves right they're doing it for the ones who who can't vote or who can't protest so yeah, we this for the ones who you know, this is our way, me and Francois's way of bringing back, if we can protest or if we want to do more than protest. How can we? Right, right. Educating through this, you know, humble podcast that we started, trying to educate people or bring our point of view, a black and immigrant point of view to, you know, the social matters that we have now. Yep. And on that note, um, music fix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at hey. oh, <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, who want to go first? Elon? Nah, you go first. Uh, all right, man. I got Lil Baby, the bigger picture. I love this record, man. Um, hey. Lil Baby I know, I was listening to it today. It's amazing. Some fuck those, I mean, cops or whatever, or whatever. But he came on some, you know, unity. He talked about the fact that people say, you know, he raps about guns and dope. Um, he talks about how not all cops are bad. And uh, he also talks about, yeah, how it's, it's more time to come together and go vote. Um, and he did not just came on the regular, like, angry, you know, I'm looking at you, YG, um, thing that, you know, you just have out there. But, yeah, that was for me. Fuck the police. <laughs> that song is great if you're on some ignorant stuff. But I feel like the message in it, I mean, like, come on, like, if the police Absolutely, stop you, I'm kidding. running away. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the thing you say are outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that's my music pick will be uh, High Power by Kendrick Lamar one mm. of my favorite by Kendrick Lamar ever High Power and uh, Wing by J-Rock ooh I haven't checked this one I'll just check that out you haven't heard that from that crazy but yeah Wing by J-Rock and uh, High Power by Kendrick Lamar Jerry you um, I really like Other Side of America by Meek Mill oh yeah, 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 yeah. have you guys yeah, that one was so hard, yeah. Uh, all right, that's it. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, yeah, uh, thank you for joining our show, Jerusalem. Uh, yeah, thank you for coming. Thank Jerry. you for having me. Of course. And uh, we'll tell you guys the next time and uh, find all the information and links um, in the description.